our engagement tends to start out with kind of an advising uh, relationship because you often don't know what they don't know. They know they don't know something, but they just don't know what it is. Welcome to the Fractional Edge Podcast, the ultimate podcast where we unlock the power of workforce planning and discuss the rapidly growing fractional executive staffing strategies to supercharge your business. Meet your hosts, Carol Frazier, a workforce planning expert, fractional chief human resources officer, and founder of C4 Talent. And Jason Hewitt, the sensei of marketing, fractional chief marketing officer, and founder of Fifth Degree Marketing. We'll bring you insights from seasoned pros, inspiring success stories, and actionable strategies to optimize your valued workforce. Don't miss this chance to upgrade your business with top industry leaders in today's competitive landscape. So tune in and learn how to unleash your competitive edge. Welcome to this episode of the Fractional Edge, where we highlight fractional executives and all the magic that they bring to organizations. My name is Carol Fraser. I'm a fractional CHRO, and my co-host is Jason Hewitt. He is a fractional CMO, and today we have John Basford. John, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody who you are and what you do? Sure. So my name is uh, John Bassford, as you just said, and I've been running uh, my consultancy firm for about uh, five years uh, called Lateral Solutions. And I first got involved in that by launching internal operations for a number of startups and then staying on as a fractional COO. Nice. Wonderful. And John, uh, so I'm, I'm going to dive into story now. I just want to get the story. I want to understand you as, as best I can. Tell us, you know, kind of where did you come from? Give us, give us the past, you know, Decade or, or two decades? I mean, dude, you're a JD on top of it. So there's a story there. Yeah, so, so that, that is where my story begins. Uh, so I, I went to law school, uh, graduated, and, and did not really know what I wanted to do. I wasn't, wasn't quite sure I wanted to practice. And I fell into working for a legal organization. I was a member of a law school. My career started out in kind of the program relations, membership, chapter relations type of role. But as it went on, I began taking on more internal operation roles, budget management, staff management, culture, et cetera. And when I was kind of looking for my, my next uh, venture for in my career, uh, I knew that that's the path I wanted to take. And so I went and uh, worked for a startup tech trade association that worked with startups. And so I kind of had this double immersion into the startup world. And that's really where I'd say my, my career on the operations side has re- really got launched, right? And working for a startup is, is interesting. You're, it's small staff. Everyone does everything. And it, I really carved out this niche of, of not just managing interoperations, but being a part of setting up that process, that procedure, creating efficiencies throughout the organization. And it really kind of is what allowed me to, to really grow my, my business once I went out on my own very, very quickly. How long have you been, obviously you have your own firm and how long has that been in existence? Uh, for a little over five years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, has it always been fractional or what is the story behind that? And do you still mostly focus on startups? So it, it began when I went on my own. I actually had a couple of former bosses of mine uh, heard I was on my own. One of them actually said, I'm starting a new nonprofit and a new for-profit. I need you to launch operations for us. Um, so that again, that's just kind of the reputation I had built and the person who has that mindset to create the operations and, and create them efficiently and effectively. Uh, so I did that. Someone else heard I was doing that, said, Hey, 
I know someone else who needs you to do that. Uh, and this wasn't a startup, the, the, the third one I did, but it was an organization that was splintering off from a parent organization. So they had staff, had marketing, had a brand, but now the in, they're losing all the internal operations functions. And so even though that's kind of how I began running my company, uh, we certainly work with, with companies of all stages. It can be startups, small businesses, nonprofits. If there's a way that I can come in or my company can come in and help run efficient, effective operations, we'll work with you. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know that I've ever met anyone with a law degree that then went into operations. This is really fascinating. And as an entrepreneur as well, and that's, that's a rare, uh, rare find. And I feel like when I'm talking to you, I see a lot of parallels because when I listen to Carol talk, she talks a lot about systems and, and organizations. So I feel like the two of you, like this is going to be a, a lot of fun. And, and I know operations, but I'm not very good at them. So uh, I'm going to try to absorb as much as I can here. So what is, I'm just curious because, you know, my background being in marketing, we're always talking about, all right, you know, let's uh, create the messaging and, and the marketing and the deployment system. And operations kind of uh, sometimes falls to the wayside. Uh, and I have seen some instances where it's been disastrous, but what, you know, what are some of the first things that you do when you're working with a new client that doesn't have any of that, you know, in place? Yes. So usually our engagement tends to start out with kind of an advising uh, relationship because they often don't know what they don't know. They know they don't know something, but they just don't know what it is. And so my first goal is always to kind of, you know, come in, learn the organization, uh, and I say organization just because I work with all different kinds. It doesn't mean a nonprofit organization, even for profit as well. But the first thing is to kind of learn, you know, what, what their business is. Again, I may not touch on the marketing and that sort of side of things, but there's so much that your entire business relies on your interoperations functions being efficient, being effective. And our real focus right now in how we're reaching out to business owners and CEOs, founders, is really focusing on the fact that if you want to grow, if you want to take your business to the next level, you have to be out of these interoperation administrative functions. You can't be focusing on the brand and the culture and the governance and, and the marketing, the sales. If you're going into QuickBooks, if you're you know, a person who's doing onboarding for HR. So even though it's not ten, tend to be seen as that sexy role that or, or functions that a company needs to grow, it's vitally important that those people get out of these type of functions so they can focus on the core mission and core business. So you're the you're the wizard behind the um, the curtain. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. I think you just I, I mean what you're kind of talking about, John, is is interesting because, you know, I too have both clients that are for-profit and non-profit, and I find they're a little different in kind of how they approach their operations. My for-profit is, I mean, so, yeah, my for-profit is a little more cut and dry and kind of understands. And I think that when you might have been working for a for-profit company and then you become an entrepreneur, you've probably seen really good operations. And then when I go to my non-profit, they're like all over the board. <laughs> they do what John, what Jason was just saying, which is, so they're first focused on marketing, right? Get to the market, get the branding out there, figure out who, if everybody's watching us and listening to us. And then when everything starts to, you know, fray at the ends, they're like, no, let's bring in a COO. Is that kind of your experience with that for-profit, nonprofit? If it's different, like I really want our listeners to kind of understand that even if it's ugly, we're still okay to come in. <laughs> sure, yeah, I, I think my experience has been that there's not much of a difference. Again, you know, sometimes because I, I've worked 
with some nonprofits that have branched off from an organization where they already had the, those those marketing functions. But for the most part, you know, it's pretty universal. It, it, you know, operations is, I, I think, whether you're a for-profit or nonprofit, is often seen as that last step, like you just said, right? It, it's like we got to get all these other things taken care of. Then we'll worry about making sure that our communication is good, our, our, our books are good, our HR is good. Uh, so, you know, the important thing is really you can't be focused on all those things. You can't be efficient. You can't be effective if you don't have your ducks in a row when it comes to internal operations. So if you, let's say you have the audience, you have CEOs, founders, PE firms, VCs. If you could tell somebody, here is my version of which roles you should kind of like put in sequential order to hire, what would that look like? Yeah, I'm not sure I would necessarily say that, you know, put the operations piece in front of some of the other key pieces, but I think that has to be very much in parallel. Uh, and, and the reason is because what tends to happen is they do some very basic operational functions. And when you go to revamp them, you're going to be spending more time doing it right the second time when you would have done it right the first time. The other big piece of this too is, you know, one of my for-profit clients, uh, I work for a number of his businesses, but he has got his own consulting firm and he insists on doing everything himself. And when I do some tactical work for clients, sometimes, you know, I am the bookkeeper as well uh, for some of my smaller clients. And, you know, when I am doing bookkeeping for him and reconciling his books and doing his financials for him, I spend three times as much time reconciling what he's done and trying to figure out why he did it and what is missing, then it would have taken me to just do it for him in the first place. So he would have gotten back, you know, five, 10 hours a month of his time, you know, for the same amount of price that it's costing me to go back and try to redo it. So to me, that's, that's why operations really needs to be right there at the top of your list of getting your company going because all the things I'm talking about are your business insurance, your banking, your credit card, your expense reimbursement, all of these functions that, you know, can be piecemealed together, you know, and that's what usually happens. But if you just took the time to do it right, the amount of time you would save, the amount of money you would save in mistakes that are made and redoing it again and again and again, it's well worth the savings. Yeah. You know, John, um, I feel like I have a, a book of clients that uh, I need to refer over to you after, after hearing that. And one thing, have, have you found, I know a lot of the entrepreneurs I work with, you know, you start off, you're trying to be lean. And so they take on a lot of that responsibility. And in my younger days, I was completely guilty of this. And probably Carol would say, oh, you're still, you're still a bit guilty of that. But um, certainly when I was younger and uh, basically as the organization grows, you don't adapt to that change. Do you see a lot of entrepreneurs that kind of take that all on and then just have a really tough time passing that off as they scale? Yeah, I, I think that's true. I, you know, I, I think there's a couple of things. When someone takes it on themselves or most, most organizations in the very beginning run into one, one of three mistakes. Either they utilize outsourcing that's overqualified for the role. So I, I, I've seen a client that was having their $600 an hour attorney handle their business insurance. So literally just communicating between the, the CEO and the broker and charging $600 an hour for that. So that's one mistake they make. Another one is uh, handing off to someone very, very junior, you know, usually an exec executive assistant who doesn't really have the skill sets. They have the time, but not the skill sets to understand all the nuances of it, which is why we're, we're launching um, our coaching program. And the other piece is the CEOs themselves where they always convince themselves that they understand internal operations and understand its importance, uh, 
But what always ends up happening is they do not give it the attention they need, nor should they, but then that's when things fall to the wayside. So again, bringing in that person as quickly and easily as possible early on, you really do save a lot of time, a lot of resources, a lot of headaches, because the majority of time what happens, you're spending so much time resourcing such a small part of your organization, but you don't know it. Uh, and so you just waste all this time researching where if you just had that person that could quarterback it, that, that outsource COO, whatever may, may be that, that has been there, done that and knows the process, knows what to do. They're just going to cut down that learning curve, you know, by a factor of 10. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Yeah. And this is really where I feel the, what Carol does, you know, in HR really kind of crosses over because she's got her finger on the pulse of, uh, the human factor in the businesses that she works with. So I do have a number of uh, entrepreneurs I work with, and it's sometimes really painful to see. You know, I I'll give you an example. We've got you know running Google Ads for one one client, and the CEO has got his hands in it. And so yeah, I, I think if you're a CEO uh, or a founder out there, and you're listening to this, listen to what what John's saying here. This is. Is pure gold. Yeah, that's part of your question. I, I didn't really answer. I just was thinking about you were talking there. Yeah, so I, I think another problem that happens is like you mentioned, you know, when the CEO comes in and they're like, you know, I have to do this because I want to, you know, watch the resources, watch the cash flow, whatever, is they, they take it on, as I mentioned before, don't always do the best job with it. But then they're so a little bit ingrained in it to where it is harder to let that go. It's like if I'm not in there looking at the books, how am I going to know how we're doing? If I'm not in there seeing this or that, how are we going to know? So it does create this double-edged sword where they're not doing the best job already, but they're unwilling to let it go because there's this transparency, this, this fear factor that sets in that if I don't know these little details of my company, it's, you know, it's not going to get done. It goes to the mindset, right? Where you started your organization, you started your company because you had an idea or you had a skill. And instead of leaning into that magic and, and making sure that people know what you're offering or what your company is making or the reason why you even are an entrepreneur and offering it to the marketplace, you get caught up in the administration, in the operations. And you, it's all about communication. It's all about setting up expectations. I'm going to go ahead and say <clears throat> problem because this is my first full year in the new company that I incorporated. And I have been in QuickBooks too much and doing all this stuff. And I actually had three conversations this week and said, 2024, this is what I expect of you. This is how I want you to communicate to me because I do not want to spend my very valuable time worrying about this. I want to be able to speak to my magic. I want to be on panels. I want to do a keynote. I want to be in front of my clients to help them better understand why HR is pivotal in helping you succeed. Because if you need people to succeed, you need to better understand why HR is there to support you. All of that stuff, like that's where I'm, I got to get my message back out there and not get caught up in the administration and the operations. So look, I am just as bad as probably some of the people that you've seen. Um, I have relinquished much, even the stuff I really truly enjoy, like the marketing, but I get it. But these all sound like those good lessons learned that CEOs can hear from somebody who's out there helping entrepreneurs. You know, I would love to know 
do you have a client or, or in the five years that you've had your business where you've walked in, you've basically said, gim, gimme, 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 took it. And then the, the CEO and the business just took off. Cause I'd love to hear a win. So my fractional work has, has been interesting, uh, to say, say the least. Uh, so I've had some clients that, you know, just hand operations over to me. And, and, you know, it's usually, uh, somebody who's already working, you know, 60 hours a week, bogged down everything. And it's a relationship that we have to where they just, they just know I'm taking care of it. So it's a major aspect of, of their organization, their business that they can just get out of their mind, right? Not have to worry about it. We, we have systems in place. You know, we have, we have timeframes of, of when we report, you know, payables and, and what we monitor and how we monitor and all that type of stuff. So it really just allows him to just keep operations out of his mind, knows I'll bring any problems to him, knows I'll bring solutions to him. He can come to me whenever he has an issue or has a question, whatever it may be. But it, that's really one of the best relationships I've ever had. You know, other organizations, you know, I, I've, I've had some where I've, I've launched the operations for them, got it going. They brought in um, a COO that was more of a industry person than an operations person. And so when that happens, you know, again, working with a lot of startups, I, I get sidelined at times and it's a natural progression of what I do. Uh, I, I'm usually that early stage person, uh, but this organization, you know, made some changes internally when they, when they realized some things from the operations were kind of falling back apart um, and brought me back in um, and said, look, we need you to do this. We're going to, we're going to do some outsourcing on the HR and the accounting side to lighten your load. But we need that person in here who understands operations, can solve some problems and really make sure that everything's that the train stays on the tracks, really. Yeah, it makes sense. Is there, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot, John. So we're, we're very good at doing that on this uh, show. And, uh, one of the questions I have is, yeah, do you have kind of a tangible example of maybe, uh, a system that you've deployed, uh, with a client that, May, might give CEOs or executives watching this a better sense of, oh, you know, this is a tangible system that we deployed that saves some time. Sure. So, you know, I've actually read Traction, you know, EOS system. And, and I would say for the large part, what we do falls in line with that. You know, we're really focused on people, processes, and platforms. And majority of the companies where I have launched operations for them, we're using the same systems, right? We're, we're using systems that are streamlined, that are, that work well with one another, that are connected, right? That, that's, that's our whole goal in what we do is how can we set up your internal operations in a way that's going to reduce your administration, reduce human, human error, and make sure that everything is happening as, as efficient and as effective as possible. Does it have to be industry specific or are these platforms or systems that any kind of organization, product, service, whatever can leverage? Yeah, I, I would say for the most part, we're agnostic. I, I think the areas where you, there are some differences are, are things like manufacturing, retail, restaurants, where it tends to need that kind of in-person uh, function to, you know, inventory, you know, looking at the factory line, you know, those type of roles are, are, are ones I have not really been into a whole lot. And even, you know, restaurants, they have their, their POS systems and their accounting systems that are connected to that. So, you know, outside of those really kind of specialty areas, healthcare is probably another one that has that, you know, your accounting, your accounting, whether you are e-commerce platform or you are a law firm or you are have a consulting business, 
you know, using a basic accounting uh, software, using a basic expense reimbursement software, APAR system, all of those are pretty universal across all industries. Thank you for tuning in to The Fractional Edge. We hope you enjoyed our insightful discussions and feel inspired to unleash your competitive edge. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to stay updated with the latest episodes. You can also connect with our podcast guests to benefit from their expertise and explore collaboration opportunities by visiting our website, thefractionaledge.com. Join us next time as we continue to explore the power of workforce planning and fractional executives in today's competitive business landscape. Until then, take care and keep growing.